Hello and welcome to the My First Five Years podcast. I'm Alastair Bryce Clegg. And I'm Jenny Johnson. We're early years experts and the founders of My First Five Years, an activities and child development app for parents. And this is the podcast that will help you to find some of the joy in parenting and ditch some of that guilt and worry. It's literally our passion, helping parents get rid of that anxiety and have so much more fun. So today we want to know, how are you managing the mental load that comes along with being the parent of a child under five? If you think about all the things that go through your brain in a single day, it can feel overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So getting woken up at 6am, if you're lucky, <laughs> 10 to 5 was my boy's favourite time to get up out of bed, getting the kids breakfast ready for nursery, managing screen time, saying yes to some things, saying no to other things, getting shoes on, having a shower, writing your own mental to-do list, getting yourself dressed, getting the kids dressed, getting out the door, and that's all before 9am. I am exhausted well, listening yeah. to that list. So that's what we kind of mean by the mental load. It's that invisible cognitive work that's going on inside your head constantly and that also contributes to those feelings of stress and exhaustion that we experience as parents. The mental load in a heterosexual household still often falls to the woman of the house, with research suggesting that women take on more of the invisible labour than men. Today we want to unpack some of that and give you all some tips on how you can manage the mental gymnastics and ease the burden just a little bit. And to help us on our quest, we've invited a very special guest today, the host of the Motherkind podcast, Zoe Blaskin. Hi Zoe, nice to have you with us. Hi, really happy to be here. Thank you. Now before we start, and for those people who haven't discovered you yet, and if they haven't, they need to because your podcast is excellent, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and all about the content of your podcast? Yeah, so I'm host of the Motherkind podcast, and I'm also a transformational coach So I am completely obsessed with giving parents, particularly mothers, the tools I think we need to manage being parents in this day and age, because many of the challenges that we face are new. They're different than we faced in previous generations. So I spend my days and sometimes my nights thinking (laughs) about how I can support mothers. And I do that by predominantly seeking out the world's best thinkers and experts and I beg them to come and speak to me and then I transform that into coaching tools that I try and spread as far and wide as I as I can. And I know you're speaking from personal experience aren't you Zoe because you do have children of your own. Yeah I've got a seven-year-old and a three-year-old and you know it's so interesting because before I became a mother I, I knew it'd be hard I had that sense but it was hard you know we're going to talk about the mental load it was hard in ways that I could, was completely unprepared for. Mm-hmm. I knew that taming, you know, or helping a toddler through a tantrum would be hard. I had no idea the hardest thing about that would be managing my own emotions. Yep. <laughs> no one talked about that. No yeah. one talked about the mental load. No one talked about the impact that parenthood, particularly motherhood, has on relationships, has on my identity and my career. And you know, when I was experiencing all of this in the first year, I didn't know the word matrescence. I didn't know that actually that was completely normal to yeah. feel lost and confused and overwhelmed. So I thought there was something wrong with me. So I started a podcast about it and turns out lots of people felt the same. So I've been able to keep going, which is, which is nice. It is. And I think it's really positive that that matrescence message is really coming across now and people are talking about it because it is unique being a parent, but it also can't be something that's just unique to your generation or our generation. This must have been going on for all parents, especially mothers, for a very long time and not being discussed, which means the mental load is even greater. Even worse, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And 
you know, I feel incredibly privileged to be in a generation of mothers. Uh, and it really does feel like, and parents, of course, it's not gendered, that the change that is coming, I feel, I feel like there's such a groundswell. And I, I don't know if you guys feel this, I feel like we're on the precipice of a really big change, structurally, emotionally, conversationally, how we talk about parenting and how we support parents. And I feel, I just feel really privileged to be part of it. And in a day and age where we can do something like this, you know, remotely, we can get together and talk about it. We can share it. We can reach people who, you know, hopefully it, it, it can really help. And perhaps you wouldn't have been able to reach it in any other way. So it's, it feels exciting to me. I think we feel very much yeah. the same. We're on we're on a mission too. And I think when you hear the impact that we can have with parents, when they hear the messages that we're trying to spread, it's really exciting for everybody. And also that yeah. idea that you're not alone going through what you're going through. The find you can find a community who can share ideas as well as just that camaraderie of, you know, you are not by yourself. And that in itself, that recognition can be the difference between feeling like you can't cope and feeling like you can. You know, and it is gendered, this actually, that the, the studies show that what women tend to do is when we find something hard, we tend to blame ourselves. Yeah. We don't think actually there's lots of forces at play here which are stopping me feel like the type of mother I want to be. We, we tend to think it's only me and there's something wrong with me. And I think, you know, that's probably why podcasts like yours and podcasts like mine have been as successful as they, as they have been because the moment you get that sense, oh, this is a thing, it has a name, you know, mm -hmm. mental load, invisible labor, matrescence, whatever name, you know, we're talking about, it has a name and there's other people struggling with it too. It's feeling part of that common humanity is a term that I really like, you know, feeling part of that common humanity and that shared experience mm -hmm. stops us thinking that it's, it's just us or that there's something wrong with us. Especially when social media can give you the very polished message of look at me with my perfect family and matching outfits, out picking pumpkins, all having you know a jolly time. And actually, yeah, we all have those moments of utter joy that we have with our families, but also we all have those moments moments of utter despair when somebody's having a small tantrum in the pumpkin patch because they haven't got the pumpkin that they want, or they've been sick on a pumpkin, or they've had an accident and wet themselves, or so those things don't tend to appear on Instagram. You sound like you've got a lot of pumpkin trauma so yeah i think it's partly just being able to share the truth i about think the, the truth is just yeah. so important i think one of the things we're trying to do is always be really realistic about the things that we share and also our own anecdotes and and the things that we've been through as parents as well because between us i have three alice had alistair has three you have two we've got plenty of anecdotes already to share haven't we and that's just just the three of us yeah absolutely and i think I love the sort of shift, you know, and it's up, we're absolutely not there yet, but I love the shift that we are part of, which is bringing that more honest, more honest yeah. view. And I think there's the next step onto that, which again, I think, you know, we're both part of with our platforms is then offering some solutions or some yeah. ideas. Yeah. yeah, I think it's really powerful to go, yes, it's not just me and laugh about it. And, but then it's almost like, okay, and, and now, okay, great now is that something that, yeah. but what but help me and yeah. I think you know that's what that's what you do so brilliant and I think we do well at Motherkind is and here's some solutions here's some ideas here's some things to try that might work and that's what we're going to do today delve into some of those uh, clarification around what the mental load is especially I think for parents of very young children when it can feel all very new I mean I don't think the mental load necessarily gets any less 
as a father of uh, three boys now entering their 20s, there's certainly still, you know, <laughs> some mental load associated to them, but it's not, they're not under my duress on a daily basis. They're off living their own lives, making their own very poor in some cases decisions. But when you've got younger children and basically they are relying on you to yeah. be the caregiver, the emotional support and all the other things, as well as, as you said, you know, often maintaining a relationship with a partner. And of course you go into those relationships as friends and lovers. You don't go into those relationships as parents. So, you know, you know who you are as a couple, but then suddenly this child comes along and changes all of that dynamic. So I think actually the mental load is probably greater when you've got younger children, because I think as parents, we just feel the weight of responsibility a lot more. Yeah. And just the logistics of school and yes, <laughs> just ask any parent about the school WhatsApp group. And it is 90% <laughs> mothers in my experience in those school WhatsApp groups It's yeah. changing. But, you know, that is that's huge. You know, just today before, like you were saying, before 9am, I had to remember a new piece of kit that my seven-year-old needed she needed a shoebox for dt she needed this and that's just that's not even something that i would write down on a list that's just yeah, it's just the, the, that's yeah. just in my head and i'm just i'm just holding all of that and i think that's why conversations about mental load are so important because the moment that we name something as we've been talking about it helps us to access more understanding about about how hard that is and I think it's it's also really important because we can't change something that we can't see. Yeah. So the moment that we can understand the impact that the mental load is having on us, that's when we can start to think about, okay, what what might I need to do to make this easier for me? And for a lot of the mothers that I work with, the first step is in making some of that visible because the problem with the mental load is that so much of it is invisible. My husband didn't know. We actually have a really equitable household, but for example, he didn't know that I was holding on to the memory that I needed to give my seven-year-old a shoebox. He doesn't remember yeah. that when that little girl comes round from the play date on the class that she's dairy-free, so I have to go and go to the shop and yeah. I have to get oat milk and I have to remember to get that in time for the play date before picking them up and I have to remember to pick both the kids up and I have to remember that I need an extra car seat. So I need to put that in before that meeting. He doesn't see any of that. He just sees me walking in with, oh, that's yeah. really nice. They're having a play date. Whereas actually there's been 25 cognitive little things that I've had to hold and remember and do. And that takes energy and that takes focus and that takes me away from, from other things. So the moment that we start to make that visible, that's when we can start to have those conversations about sharing the load. It's really interesting like. that you talk about the equitable balance in your relationship, because I think in lots of relationships, because of the reasons you've just given, there isn't that balance. People assume a particular list of jobs. I take the bins out, you take the kids to school, and therefore you get absorbed in that. And some of those jobs carry way more equity than others. So remembering which bin it is, is not quite as challenging as remembering to pick up from school with a child with an allergy, with an extra car seat. So have you got any tips for our listeners about how you can go about establishing that equitable conversation where you can make those things you know apparent to each other yeah I think just one more thing to say on that that I've really noticed and uh, and be interesting to get your guys view and I'm, uh, hopefully your listeners will nod along is not only do you know the statistic is 70% women are picking up 70% of the emotional in in heterosexual relationships but in heterosexual relationships women do set up 
take 70% of the invisible and yeah. emotional labor. The other thing that's really important around that is that word emotional labor. So what is interesting, it'd be so interesting. I, I wonder on your app and platform, what percentage, what's the gender break? Because when I ask people about this, 80% mm -hmm. of people consuming parenting knowledge, trying to learn how to handle feelings, learning about milestones are the mothers. And yeah. that takes an awful lot of time, energy, effort. You're learning something new often when you're exhausted yeah. and yep. with the mental load. That also and our creates, statistics would back that up completely. So we yeah, so it's huge. Agree. It's huge. It's a really, really important part of the mental load that mothers are picking up. That also mm -hmm. means that when that two-year-old has a tantrum, it is that mother that will tend to step in and yep. be using some of those skills that she's learning. Now that's a new skill, emotional regulation. You and I know how much energy it takes <laughs> not to scream, just put your effing shoes on, but to say, <laughs> I can see you're really frustrated about your shoes, I get that. You know, that mm. takes huge effort. And it also creates a chasm often between the partners because you mm -hmm. might have, let's say, let's, you know, let's just use mum and dad. Let's just use that generalization. You might then have a father who's, who storms and says, just put your effing shoes on. Then there's yeah. a tension because yeah. he's not read the book or been on your app that says how important it is to be able to validate an emotion. She now has to do that extra labor yeah. of teaching not only herself, not only putting it into action, she also has to teach her partner. So I think, I think that's really a really important part. Just wanted to dive into naming that before yeah. we get into what you can do about it. I think you're so right, Zoe, and it goes beyond um, the partner as well. It goes to the wider family. You yep. know, you do have wider family look at you when you're trying to negotiate with your child. And it's like, well, what are you negotiating with them for? Just tell them what to do. Yep. And I do think that when you're trying to do things differently, you're trying to break these cycles and help children have this very best start and help parents have a more joyous approach to parenting, you're having to win people over about it all the time. And it does add further <laughs> to the mental yep. load. Exactly. Especially as you're not even that sure about it yourself. I mean, I talk about this all day, every day. And sometimes I'm still like, God, is this the right thing? You mm -hmm. know, imagine if you'd just read one book or listened to one podcast. And, you're, and you were you're scrapping for it, it in the middle of a tantrum. Yeah. yeah. Scrapping for the memory. Exactly. It's really hard. It's really hard to do that, which is why, you know, I don't talk about parenting. Actually, I talk about the mother and the parent, because I think mm -hmm. you can't remember a snazzy parenting strategy in the midst of it. All you can remember is a deep breath to take for yourself, mm -hmm. to regulate yourself, to then activate some sort of parenting idea or thing that you might, you might remember. It's really, really hard. It's really hard because, you know, you, you mentioned that word cycle breaking. You know, we tend to just repeat what's been done. It takes effort and energy yeah. to do something else. It really does. So yeah, it's important we, to name that, really important to name it because it's yeah. a huge part of the mental load conversation that I think probably isn't spoken about enough. I think certainly when you're under stress, it's also really difficult to be able to take that breath and not let your kind of inner demon parent come out. So yeah, and that adds also to the mental load. Yeah, of course, because then once you've, you know, you're dysregulated, of course you are. It's really dysregulating having a yeah. having a toddler scream at you about their shoes and you're late for school and the seven-year-old's crying because she's missing her registration. You know, that's, you know, it's really, really hard. I mean, not that that was me this morning or anything, but it's really hard to, it's really hard, you know, depending on what your window of tolerance is and, and the sensitivity of your nervous system. And of course, you know, we can't compare to each other because 
you know, because of my childhood experiences, I go really quickly to fight, flight or freeze, really quickly. Yeah. You know, some of my friends might have a bigger window of tolerance. And I think we've got to remember that as well, to have compassion for ourselves, that with all these tools and things we're learning, you know, it's not an equal playing field, of course. So, yeah, I think, I think it's, there's, there's so much in that, isn't there? But, you know, to come back to, to the mental load. So I think the, the first thing is to have the conversation. You know, I spoke to someone incredible on the podcast called Eve Rosky, who wrote probably the leading book about, about this called Fair Play. And she said, it's not about starting a conversation about the mental load. You're already having it. You're just having it unproductively. Mm-hmm. So she says that she spoke to a, a woman who said, no, we don't, we don't talk about the mental load. I just can't go there with him. And then a second later, she said that when her partner didn't put the washing out the tumble dryer, she would put it all on his pillow. And, <laughs> and Eve said, we, we, communicate, we communicate about it when we eye roll, when we huff, yeah, yeah. when we're in a mood, when we storm about it, when we say, oh, shall I do that again, shall I? You know, yeah. that's all communication. It's just maybe not bringing us the solution that we want, it to, we want it to have. So it's not about starting communication about the mental load. It's about shifting it into a more productive yeah, makes sense. conversation. And, you know, a really good place to start is actually with ourselves, is, is just getting really clear about everything that we are holding. So literally writing it down, literally writing it down, like what are all the things that I'm holding? And that can be really eye-opening. Mm-hmm. And then starting to think about, okay, what might, and we talk about fair, but that doesn't mean 50-50, of course, because yep. everyone's setup is completely different. It may be 90-10 mm-hmm. or the other way. You know, any, there's, there's no, there will be no family in this country that will have exactly the same setup around this stuff, guaranteed, because mm-hmm. it's all so different, the, the, the dynamics, the number of variables. But what's really important is to think about what would feel fair and, and more equitable for you. And it is then having those conversations in such a way that it's productive. And normally that is about not being accusatory, not doing it in a moment when it's just a high emotion, when you're in the middle of an argument screaming about you don't help me enough. You know, mm-hmm. I get, I absolutely care. Yeah. I've done that. Well, you all have. <laughs> but actually that's not, that's not that productive for conversation. So it's about trying to keep that conversation when your emotions are more grounded, when it's a good time to have that conversation, you know, not over dinner when the kids are throwing food at each other and, (laughs) you know, all that chaos is going on. You want it to be quite quiet and quite calm. You want to have thought about what do I want to get out of this conversation? And it's not about accusing the other person or giving them a list to do. Mm -hmm. The really big shift that I think can really help people with this is instead of thinking about it as me versus my partner, you want to think about it's the mental load and everything that we've got to do to run this family and raise these children and run our lives how we want to. It's yep. that versus us as a team. Yep. That is that is the conflict, not, not us, because that is so much more productive because you're going to say, how are we going to solve this as a team? I mean, you've spoken to so many experts on your podcast and chatted with loads of mothers from your community and discussed the challenges that they face and overcome. What are your top tips for even beginning that conversation in a way that's going to end productively? 
It's seeing the two of you as a team against the problem. I think that's really important mindset shift, really important. The other one is using, instead of statements like, you need to do more, mm -hmm. it's, it's embodying a little bit of, you know, my coach training and, and asking questions like, I wonder how we could make things, divide things up more equally at home. I yeah. wonder what that might look like. What comes up for you when I talk about doing more with the children or when I, what comes up for you when I talk about doing more around the house? And then, and then you might get that person saying back, it makes me feel completely stressed out. I am already at my capacity at work, dealing with my ill parent, whatever it might be. I'm already cursing, it makes me feel, okay, so let's talk about how we could do that as a team. So I think instead, so many people approach these conversations with a sort of, I want him to do that or her to do that and I'm so stressed and, and all that is true. But the more accusatory language, the, you'll only get one response back, which will be defensiveness. And then you'll be into an argument and you won't be able to, you won't be able to move forward. The, the episode that I did with Eve Rodsky has, has been sent to, I think, uh, thousands of, of partners around the world. <laughs> and, and there's some really good resources like that. You know, Fair Play is, is a system where what Eve Rodsky did, she's a lawyer by trade, a Harvard lawyer. So and she's an organizational, she became an organizational behaviorist. So she's amazing at systems. And she divided mm -hmm. the running of a home and raising children into a hundred tasks and the main difference that I love about that system is that she doesn't she talks about taking full responsibility for each task there mm -hmm. is a really big difference between can you go and get the oat milk for me linking back to that example we were talking about earlier right yep. yep that's helpful to some extent I don't have to get in the car I don't have to go buy it but I am still holding the cognitive yeah, I'm still project yeah. managing so it's not always helpful to just having you help me that's not the conversation that we want to have it's about taking full responsibility so in my house an example would be my husband is responsible for the girl's shoes that's something that he takes for i don't even know what shoe size they are i do not have to think about school shoes school trainers i don't have to think about anything to do with that because he takes end to end responsibility yeah. for it and that is the difference so when you talk about execution, which is thinking about what do they need, anticipation, and then and then doing it, the actual doing of the task. And that is where we want to get to. And yeah. and how that is split up is, as I said, it's going to look completely different for everyone. But it is mm -hmm. not, if I have to remind you, it's not helpful to me. Yeah. And I guess we need to remember as well that there'll be people listening to this podcast that are single parents and don't have yep. anybody to share that yep. mental load with. Any Any thoughts on that? Any tips? Mm. firstly it, it, you know it's it's a hero's role you know you're wearing normal clothes but you should be wearing a cape is what I always think <laughs> about solo parents and I think you know in many ways it can be similar conversations with hopefully people that are supporting them in mm. that role in their network and I think mm. exactly exactly how could this person help take this load off me I think there's also another really important part to the mental load conversation, which is about perfectionism and pressure. Mm -hmm. And yes, we've got all this mental load, but what could we do that could actually simplify things? Mm -hmm. yeah. For so, ourselves, yeah. yeah. 
Exactly, because we all have a certain amount of capacity and that capacity clearly increases when we're in a partnership. Mm -hmm. It doubles in theory, right? So I think, I think it's thinking about how can I make things easier for myself? And that might be in really big ways, such as I've had clients who are on their own, move cities, change jobs to be nearer their parents because, you know, she knew that they could help. So it might be in really big ways. It might be in really small ways, such as, you know, I'm, we're not going to sign up for after school activities because the admin around that is too much. And yeah. that's a really hard choice to make. But I think that's just the reality of, of the choices that you have to, you have to make when you're, when you're parenting, you know, how can I make things simpler? What would that look like? is another really important, really important piece. And also the fact that parents feel massive pressure that they need to be doing stuff with their children to give them the best kind of start in life. And another big thing we talk about in our app, a big ethos of ours, is it doesn't need to cost a fortune or necessarily exist in the form of an after-school club or a baby class. Lots of the benefits your child will get, they can also get by doing something much simpler that costs a lot less, that literally is either in your kitchen cupboard or outside your back door. So I think there is a certain amount of, or a lot of pressure mm. on parents, especially in things like you mentioned, the school WhatsApp groups. I mean, they're rife with people saying, oh, you're, we're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing the other. And you're thinking, well, I'm not, because either I haven't got the time or I can't afford it. But actually, when we look back to the science and research about child development, for the development of the child, it's not necessity. It's just for us as parents, accepting that for our mental health and well-being, actually, to dial it down a bit means that everybody benefits. We just need to get over that kind of FOMO or perceived FOMO that we're not doing the same as everybody else at the school gate, which is probably not the case anyway. We, we often stitch ourselves up as parents, don't we, with these big grandiose ideas about, I don't know, what Christmas should look like or what Halloween should look yeah, like or whatever yeah. it may be. And actually, as very young children, they rarely care. And we're putting this pressure on ourselves. I mean, World Book Day. The oh. fact that, you know, and the fact <laughs> that they wear their costume to school for about 30 seconds, then it's itching to take it off. And you've, you know, you've literally cried the night before stitching up some of these things again. And children aren't on the whole that bothered at all. It's more parents. And it's that idea that you talk about around, you know, the mental load has a significant impact on our mental health and well-being. And we, when we're feeling stressed and under pressure and our mental health isn't great, then that obviously impacts on how we parent and our relationships with children. So have you got any yeah. thoughts around how we can work with the mental load to really help support our own mental health and development? Yeah, I mean, I think I think what you were just talking to, that there's such an interesting, and I think about this all the time, there's such an interesting paradox in there, isn't it? Because I think when we're putting all that pressure on ourselves and, you know, we want to do the, God, the Christmas has just gone bonkers, hasn't it? The Christmas yeah. Eve boxes and the matching pajamas and the Santa visits and oh. and 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 yeah. I think what we're really what we're really trying to get to is to have that sense of of connection and to have our child feel happy and loved. And actually, the best way to do that is in those quiet little moments of yeah. connection. But when we're rushing around, mm -hmm. you know, on the twentieth of December, trying to get matching pajamas and we're stressing <laughs> ourselves out yeah. it's so funny to me that we're actually blocking ourselves i think from accessing more effectively the thing that we really want mm -hmm. which is you know that that feeling of joy and connection with our children and we know that if we're stressed as we were talking about earlier you know if our nervous system is activated we can't actually access that connection when we're stressed we can't connect so 
by far the, the, the best thing that we can try and do is is de-stress. It's also yeah. really hard when everyone around us is is doing something because, you know, it's our brain, uh, you know, as you guys all know, we can't stop comparison. Our brains are wired yeah. to compare. We can't stop it. It's, it winds me up when people say we need to stop comparing. It's impossible to stop comparing. But what we can do is when we have that comparison thought, when we notice we're comparing ourselves, we can then have a different second thought, which mm -hmm. is, well, actually, what's really important to me is yep. X, Y, Z. And I am going to, you know, notice that I feel really sad or frustrated that everyone in my class is doing World Book Day and I've sent my kid in in their uniform. But actually, I've done that because we had a really nice snuggle on the sofa last night. I wasn't stressed about sewing, you know, Wally's ears whatever. or whatever it is yeah. that you're doing. Yeah, I wasn't stressed about that. And actually... Filling my child's emotional cup up in that way is more important than, you know, some of these other, some of these other things. And but helps really, to fill it's, yours. It's exactly. that fear of judgment, I think. And as you were saying, that the fact that mothers particularly tend to take most of the load and also feel the responsibility and also feel the judgment. Whereas I don't think it's necessarily the same for, I can't speak for all dads, but you know, if you're not engaged in that high level mental loads, so you haven't got all of that in your head, you're not likely to be as bothered if you don't comply with something like whatever it may be, World Book Day, what everybody else in the WhatsApp group is doing. So that idea that everybody around us, and it's a truth, it is human nature, that everybody around us is judging us, but probably not to the extent that we feel that they are. And also mm. that idea that for you and your family, if all you're pursuing is really close, valuable connection, then you're happy to sacrifice that. That's a really important message to keep. Yeah, I think I when think you so. understand the the impact it can have on your children, and this is what we're trying to empower parents with. And what I have three children, and I really only learned about this stuff with my third child and it really helped me simplify everything and once I simplified everything life was easier more fun more relaxed and I just look back and think about the crazy pressure that I put myself under trying to comply with x y and z and actually once you begin to understand the impact of slowing down a bit having more cuddles on the sofa you know not caring about going and doing the big light extravaganza at Christmas and just having a wander around and looking at everybody else's lights or whatever it might be it really helps to sort of relax into the moment and because you know it's doing good for your child and for you yeah. when you are comparing I think as you rightly say you're beginning to go well actually everybody else is a bit crazy and yeah. this and this is what they should be doing and I'm actually being a role model and an example of another way and I think when you were saying earlier Zoe about feeling that we're on the precipice of a bit of a movement I'm I kind of think that for myself, I think I that so. I've sort yeah. of learned that there's a new way and I'm very, you know, I, I share my experiences and encourage other mothers to simplify and, and to reset expectations and to celebrate different things. I think we can make a difference by these podcasts and the ideas that we're sharing with people. Yeah, I think so too. And I think, you know, once we understand that it's, you know, emotional health that creates the foundation for ever dreams we, we, we have for our for our children. I think once we understand that, you know, this was my experience too, you know, once I really understood that, it did change what I was prioritizing. It really did. I think the other thing that can so drive that need to keep up, that mm -hmm. need to do other things is that, you know, and I see this a lot, is that we run this belief that we're not good enough. And when we 
believe, you know, when we scratch under the surface a bit, and it takes a lot of courage to really come to that realization, like, I just don't feel good enough. We then pile the pressure on ourselves. Mm -hmm. We feel the need to keep up. We feel the need to buy things perhaps we don't need. We feel the need to layer on all these things. And, and I think that's really where it, that's really where it comes from. And I know for me, that was a really hard realization to see actually mm. that, that deep down I just didn't feel that secure in myself mm -hmm. I think the research is that 85% of parents of young children feel exactly that way they feel that they're not doing a good enough job and that's scary isn't it that, that so many people out there are, are having those feelings of constant anxiety and doubt yeah it is and I think you know it's definitely exasperated I feel like we're sort of in this moment where we have more parenting knowledge than ever before, which is an incredible thing. But we also have less structural support, you know, in really basic ways and in really big ways for parents. Mm -hmm. And so it does create this sort of real pressure point. And I mm -hmm. really notice this in myself where I, I, I know a lot of the theory and but I can't seem to quite access it in a day to day basis always. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's what creates that I'm not doing good enough. I'm not doing good enough. And I think that's where you know, I'm, I, I talk a lot about self-compassion and how yeah. important it is to continually forgive ourselves, give ourselves, you know, grace and understanding and patience at how hard it is. And of course, that has massive benefits to our children as well, because, you know, they see us giving ourselves that kindness mm -hmm. and they can then give it to themselves when they need it, when they're in a, when they're in a tricky spot. You know, there's already huge pressures as we've been talking about the mental load and there's only so much we can reduce that. Just the reality yeah. is of modern life, there's a mm -hmm. lot. <laughs> but we don't need to square it. You know, we don't need to take that equation and square it for ourselves by putting ourselves and on top of this huge amount of pressure. We don't, we don't need to do that. We, we can have some choice and some agency and some empowerment about that. And I think that's the really important point. Absolutely. I think it's been a really fascinating and informative conversation. That I think our listeners will take loads away from. Is there any one point that you would like to add just before we wrap up? Is there any one big takeaway? I think the really, really big takeaway is to remember that if you are finding parenting little ones hard, it's not because there's anything wrong with you yeah. or because you haven't read the right book or because you had the wrong childhood. It's because mm -hmm. it is really hard. Yeah. It is and, really hard. Yeah. And I think, I think when we can name that, it really helps just, okay, there's nothing wrong with me. It's hard because it's hard. Mm -hmm. And that really helps me to remember that when I'm having a hard day. It's not anything that I'm doing wrong. It's just really hard. Excellent advice. Zoe, as you know, we like to go through five hacks for our listeners at the end of each podcast. Would you help us today with five top tips of managing the mental load? So my number one, having listened to your wise words today, would be start by writing things down. Uh, my number two would be to start a conversation with your partner or whoever is part of your support network to lay out what your mental load is and what your anxieties might be. So number three is choose a time to discuss the mental load when emotions are low and hopefully you can think clearly. Number four, don't aim for a 50-50 split. 
It's about having a realistic view of what your roles and responsibilities are as partners or with your network and divide based on those. And tip number five is to make sure that whichever task you're looking after, you own that task from end to end. So you take full responsibility for it. So that just leaves me to say thank you so much, Zoe Blasky, for joining us on our podcast today. It has been really fascinating and I urge anybody who hasn't come across Zoe and her work before to go and seek her out because there's some really useful and informative stuff there. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've loved it. Thank you so much for listening and do get in touch if you've got any questions for us or if there's something you'd like us to discuss in this podcast. You can post your questions on our Facebook community or Instagram and you'll find us at My First Five Years and that's the five written out in letters. And if you want more tips around managing the mental load, you can download the My First Five Years app from the App Store and don't forget you can get this podcast direct to your feed by pressing the follow button on your Apple Podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time.